Hello and welcome to Three Peeps in a Podcast. My name is Patch, and for those listeners who haven't listened to the regular show before, um, Rich is my co-host for that, and Rich is here now. Rich, how are you, sir? Evening, Patch. Sweating, very hot in my garden room, but better hot than cold. Well, so for regular ris- listeners to the to the uh, to the podcast will know that this garden room has been in development for quite some time. It's mostly been in your head for quite some time, but that now it's actually being built. And we've hit the dizzy heights of 23 degrees today and you're already hot in there. So I don't know what it's going to be like in the summer, you know, we've just had at 30 degrees. Well, I have had it since about May, I? I think June it was completed in the first week in June. So I've been in here, but yeah, obviously the bifold doors open right up. So mm. when, when, it is, no, when it is really hot, I open it up. Okay. All right. But, That's fine. That, but I'm now going back into the office next week. So. Oh, what? Bit, forever bit or? No, for- just, just a week. Just a tester. Okay. All right. Nice. Nice. Bit of a bit of an experiment, a behavioral experiment. See, see how you behave. <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll be kicked out within 10 minutes. There'll be, there'll be somebody there clicking their pen top or you know, discussing lots, Love Island or something. I'll just, I'll lots, just, of, lots of dings and dongs and bings and bongs yeah. as much as you like them. I'll just pack up and come back to my garden room. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, we had a, an exciting week, Rich, didn't we? Um, we went to watch Clinton Baptiste on Wednesday at the Redgrave Theatre, which was um, absolutely fantastic. Did not disappoint. For those who don't know who Clinton Baptiste is, he's a character from Phoenix Knights back, what, what was it, late 90s, Rich? Mid 90s? Yeah, be mid, yeah, mid to late 90s. Yeah, so it's Alex Lowe is the actor, and he's also um, responsible for Barry from Watford, um, amongst other characters. But Clinton Baptiste was a character in Phoenix Nights, and uh, sort of four or five years ago, I think it was, he sort of brought him back with Peter Kay's permission via a podcast, which is uh, fantastic. So do look that one up. But um, yeah, he's gone on tour, taking it on tour. And Rich, what were your thoughts? Well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed it, Patch. I thought, well, I, I said genius on Twitter. I mean, how this bloke hasn't got a TV series based on that character. Just the way he can just think up lines and the way he delivers them. So mm. it's, like, it's like a double entendre, but it's obviously an innocent double entendre on his part. Yeah. Obviously, obviously, the, but the intelligent crowd can tell what he's, what he's meaning. But I, I think a genius character, I'm not going to say up there with the partridge, but it, it could be a, very successful character that could yeah. go on and on even as he ages can it absolutely mean? yeah it could be like a tv series you're right absolutely um but yeah no it's it's one of those one of those characters that um i listen to the podcast and i think it is it is very very clever the one one good thing i think you when i heard you laugh the most rich was when he came out and he said is there a leanne in the crowd because the the comedy act at the stand-up uh, sorry this the uh the warm-up act was uh, Sally Ann Hayward, who was actually very, very good as well. But she obviously got speaking to a couple of people in the crowd and picked out that her name was Leanne and that chap worked at Morrison's. So obviously he's listening to that. And part of his act is to try and predict stuff. Um, so that was, <laughs> that was a strong start. But he's a, he's a very, because we, we obviously we spoke to him on our podcast and we, we met him for about 10 minutes afterwards. It's kind of, he doesn't realise how how funny it is, I don't think. Yeah. Like, so, well, he's obviously... He's grounded. He's humble. He can't, uh, appreciates any anyone who says anything good about him. I don't yeah. think he realizes how successful and how funny he actually is. Yeah. So if anyone wants to go back and listen to that episode, it's back in the archives. Um, I think you put it up on our Twitter page, didn't you, Rich? Yeah, that was it, it episode, episode eighty nine. No, I'm going to say 94, 90, okay. 98, something like that. Well, go back and look look through, and uh, and you'll see it. Interview with Alex Lowe, um, a, a fantastic human being and and just uh one thing about the redgrave theater obviously we had to show our covid passports rich didn't we for the first time you know first time i've ever had to had to show it i guess i guess each venue is different because i'm going to a concert soon at the trinity church just off um old market street Mm. i've got i've got a show either either a post uh, not post positive obviously a negative (laughs) test of a lateral or pcr test right there are, okay. obviously, there obviously are places you can't go in yeah. unless you've been double jabbed or you've got a, a negative result. Yeah, fair, fair dues. Yeah, each venue is going to be different. I don't I don't know what's going to happen in terms of uh, any legislation and things like that, but uh, something to keep an eye on. But, um, but when you bought tickets, did it say you need to no. double jab? Well, I bought, to be fair, I bought the tickets um, before oh, the okay. pandemic, uh, so they weren't aware at the time that we'd have to show our COVID passport. But... Uh, they did say they sent emails, but I didn't get one. However, but it was... Uh, if I get some political, 
say, say, well, say we were anti-vaxxers. Yeah. They're not. They're not let us in if we don't have jabs. Well, I don't think so. Seeing as they wanted to see your COVID passport, so uh, yeah, that answers that question. But um, uh, just before we come on to our guest, I also want to just say congratulations to Bristol City Women's Team. I went along to the Robins High Performance Centre this afternoon with my daughter, um, and it was a two-one win in their first league game in the Championship at home to Lewis. I think that's how you say it, L-E-W-E-S. So uh, went one nil down and then came back to win two-one. So a full Robins High Performance Centre. The whole stand was full with people, some people around the pitch as well. And uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it, and so did my daughter as well. So uh, I can see that becoming a regular occurrence. Rich, I drove. Yeah, I was on, I we had a family day trip to Clevedon, so I, I did drive past there. Obviously, a couple of hours before kickoff. But yeah. as I drove home, there were you know, stewards outside. I did wonder what was going on. And then I did tweet yeah. that the women were obviously playing there. It was a sellout, actually. So, um, yeah, you couldn't have come in even if you wanted to. Oh, thank you. Um, but I will bring our guest into play now. He actually joined us on the bonus show uh, with Gary Hours to uh, to celebrate our 2-1 win away at Cardiff. And Ali Durden, your commentary of that is uh, has gone down legendary on Twitter and all over the place. Excellent. That's good to hear. Well, you know, I didn't score the goal. I just talk about it. That's the easy bit. Yeah, no, it was great. It was great. The com- uh, yeah, the commentary's been on um, on Twitter, and uh, people are people are uh, really really excited about it. So, Ali, thanks for coming back on. We mentioned on the bonus show uh, that we would try and get you back on to talk about your time, your summer, your summer in Tokyo. Uh, yeah. So, from the very beginning, how did you get that gig? Uh, so I interviewed for it. So it's yeah, it's an interview position which is open to uh, anyone who works in um, BBC local TV and, and, and local radio. So uh, just a bit of background. Um, I've, I've I've been to Olympics before. So I went. I worked at the Rio Olympics and I worked at the London Paralympics as well. So I kind of oh, I actually went to Gold Coast Commonwealth Games as well. So it's kind of you know there's. There's only so many chances to do this and you sort of think oh, there's no way I'm going to get another chance to do this having done one before but um, it was actually well, yeah probably two years ago well nearly two years ago that I interviewed for it obviously the Olympics was supposed to be last year then it got postponed I was due to be one of the reporters working out there there'd be two reporters two camera crews um, a team leader uh, and what we call a media manager, someone who makes sure all the sort of bits and clips and stuff all ends up in the right place. Um, anyway, it all got postponed. Uh, to cut a long story short, we've had some redundancies at the BBC as well. And uh, I got a call kind of, I think it was probably February, March time, saying the Olympics are going to go ahead this year. And would you like to cover them? Would you like to go still? And I was like, yes, please, of course. And they said, um, you're going to be going on your own. <laughs> oh, God. Right. Okay, right. So essentially the role is, that it's the BBC Nations and Regions team. We go to, to cover the Olympics for uh, all the regional television stations around the country. So, you know, the Points West equivalents in Leeds, Manchester, Newcastle, Southampton, Tunbridge Wells, London, you know, Nottingham, all of them, Birmingham, plus all the local radio stations, which are... I think it's 40 plus. So it's, you're, you're wow. representing a lot of people and a big audience. Um, I always like to drop in this, that BBC, the BBC regional television programme is the wa- most watched programme in the country. Oh, if really? Add, Why? If you add up, if you add up all the audiences together. Yeah. And it, I always love saying Points West is watched by more people than EastEnders in the West Country. Which wow. True. Also true. Right. So, um, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so it's a big responsibility. It's a big audience you're representing there. Um, but yeah, for various reasons, because of COVID mostly and a few redundancies, um, a lot of the people who were accredited to go were either no longer with the BBC or, or couldn't go. And so I was I was essentially going um, and I managed to take a cameraman with me as well, because that obviously makes life a lot easier. So we were a two man <laughs> team out in Tokyo with a big brief, basically, to try and cover the Olympics on behalf of, um, of local TV and radio. Wow. Well, what a fantastic responsibility. And the fact, obviously, yeah. you'd, you you went to Rio as well. Um, I expect it was a little bit easier to get into Rio than it was to get into Tokyo. What was the sort of you know, the, the COVID regulations and all that oh, sort of stuff? Where to start with that? Where to start? <laughs> I mean, 
Yes, I mean, as I say, I've never had the responsibility of being in charge of a team before. So I was out there, although there was only two of us, BBC Wales had a, 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 a what we call a shoot edit journalist out there. He had his own camera. So he was doing it for Wales. Uh, there was a three man Scotland team, three man, uh, two men and a woman. Uh, and Northern Ireland had three people out there as well. And I was kind of in charge of all of them as well in terms of looking after them, but the admin side of it. And the admin side of it was incredible. I mean, forms to fill in, tests to have, just to get us into the country was, um, was complicated. And what was most different, aside of, aside of all, the, all the medical things, is the BBC is obviously a rights holder. It's not the main rights holder anymore. You might have noticed there wasn't as much coverage perhaps no. as you might have experienced when you're watching the games for Rio, for London. So we're no longer the primary rights holder for this country. That, that went to Discovery. So Discovery, the primary rights holder, and we're kind yeah. of like secondary. So that's why the BBC could only show two things at a time. So you had one thing on telly mm. and one thing on a red button, whereas in previous years, you'd be able to push the red button and watch like eight different streams mm. or something like that. But that's purely because they're, they're not the main rights holders anymore. Um, anyway, by the by, that was one thing. But secondly, when we got out there, because of COVID, you'd normally be able to go to an event and as the regional team, we'd look and go, right, you've got, you know, BBC Sport are going to the swimming today, but, oh, you know, there's 10 British swimmers and we really want to we really want to make sure that we get to, to speak to as many of those as possible. We'll go to the swimming today. So you're accredited, you turn up, you join what's like called a mixed zone, which you may or may not be familiar with, where the interviews take place. It's like for flash interviews, 90 seconds, athletes will walk through it after their event and you kind of wave and stop them and go, Hey, so and so, you know, can we grab a quick word for BBC dot dot dot? Do you, do you want to be first or last in that queue? Well, see, now, <laughs> if you, you want to be first in it, but those are for the paid positions. So right. In your mix zone, you have Discovery. They're in spot number one, main rights holder. Bang, they are there. Uh, and then there'll be other main rights holders from other countries as well. So that you know, the, whoever's got the rights in Germany and France mm. and places like that. And then BBC Sport because they paid, paid the money, they've got a good position in that mix zone as well. And then for people like me, as a, you know, an extra, we'd be at the end of the mix zone, probably, right. unless BBC Sport aren't using those. So that's what would normally happen. And they're pretty busy, ruthless places, you know. But if you have a good relationship with your athletes and with the, the Team GB press officers, which is very important, they will make sure those athletes get to you. And that's how it normally works. But because of COVID, of course, they ditched the overflow and it was everything was bookable. So you had to book a position oh, in gosh. a mix zone. And I had to, me personally, had to go and spend two weeks going through where we thought every one of our athletes, and there were 370 odd, were going to be competing on what days and Jesus. put in bids for, for England, Wales, Scotland and Ireland athletes. Oh my word. Where we wanted to be. And they sort of told us, if BBC Sport have already got a position there, you probably won't get a second one because of, we want, you know, because of numbers being limited. But we had to try because there were, you know, some days they would let us for team sport. And you're not just focusing on BBC Points West there. You're focusing on... No, no, no exactly. That's so, every single... Every obviously, you can, if it was just Points West, you could say, right, we've got an athlete from the from the yeah. West Country oh, in that. A finite number, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, but 15, to, 20 athletes. So yeah. not only did you, I assume, you, did you have to quarantine for a week, was it? Or when you got so, there? Yeah, that, that was interesting. Um, it was originally going to be 14 days. Yeah. Uh, then it went to uh, 10 days. And then it eventually ended up essentially as three days of soft quarantine, which basically meant... Uh, stay in your hotel room and after the first day you could only go to your place of work which for us was the international broadcast center but couldn't mix with any other delegations from other countries and then for 14 days while you're in the country um, you had to stick to your activity plan which had been submitted to the Japanese government oh, and that 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 you had to say exactly where you were going to go and we were like well how do we know where we're going to go exactly so essentially what it meant was you said Hotel, International Broadcast Centre, Team GB headquarters, and all venues, uh, nowhere else. So you couldn't go anywhere else in those 14 days. So it was pretty restrictive, yeah. Wow. So That's there were a lot of challenges to overcome. 
But that said, it, it sounds more terrifying than it was. And when we, we were like fearing the worst, when we got out there, it was much easier than that. I mean, you had to stick to the rules, but mm. you know, people were very friendly and it was very easy to get around. We had a car to get ourselves around and we didn't get lost, which is amazing. Tokyo is a massive city. You hadn't been before, I assume. No, I've never been before. No. Um, we had, um, you know, we, we used, it did have, we did have sat-nav in our car, but um, we used our own, we found it much better. And the roads were quiet because of, because the, the city was in a state of emergency. So traffic was not bad. We got around okay. And we actually felt we, like we saw quite a bit of Tokyo, right. even though it was from the road. So you got to experience, you know, the, well, you couldn't, you couldn't go anywhere because it, it, it wasn't, it wasn't on your activity plan. So you couldn't stop anywhere. <laughs> oh, exactly. Well, this is it. And they were, they were like, you know, you, you could be pulled over at any time and have your phone checked for GPS to oh, check wow. you hadn't been going off to places that you shouldn't have been going to. So, wow. yeah. So it was, yeah, it was interesting. But yeah, brilliant. It's a lovely city. And I say yeah. we were lucky enough to see it, even if it was from from out of a car window. You know? <laughs> yeah. So in terms of the actual Olympics itself, so obviously you've gone through your your quarantine period and and you've yeah. got your your activity plan sorted for who's going where and what what sports you're going to go and see how yeah. did it map out for you personally what was your sort of key key highlights of your trip yeah well we, we didn't get into everything we wanted to get to because as we said we've been warned that uh, we, we would probably get rejected for a lot of our requests so you kind of adapted really there were some days bbc sport wanted us to cover something for them so we did that you know we did judo modern pentathlon hockey we did all sorts of stuff where we were doing it for bbc sport as well as nations and regions um so yeah you just kind of adapted on a date you didn't find out until sort of 6 7 p.m the day before whether your requests had been accepted or not so you couldn't really plan beyond that and then there were lots of sort of WhatsApp meetings and checking with other people and, and deciding, you know, what we were going to do. And there were some days where you wouldn't go, you wouldn't go to a sport and, and there was something else happened. Team GB have this process called managing victory, which is basically anyone who's won a medal and finished their competition. They, they do a, a huge day of media. So they will do sort of longer considered interviews where you get a chance really to I say longer, probably five minutes is what you get with them. <laughs> yeah. Um, the BBC gets a set amount of time with them. Sky will get a certain amount of time with them. ITV will get a certain amount of time. Talk sport, uh, sports beat, newspapers. They do about four hours nonstop before they go off and talk to sponsors and all sorts of other things. So, yeah. So, so some days we do a lot of that. Um, so that was great because you got to meet, you know, I, I must have met 50, 60 of the medal winners and interviewed them. Right. Fantastic, from you know, from Adam Peaty to James Guy to Sky Brown, the, the um, you know, the young uh, skateboarder. Yeah, that's Rich's yeah. dog's name, Sky Brown. <laughs> Isn't it, Rich? It's, uh, Fantastic. So yeah, um, it is, got... yeah. Oh, there we go. Not very good at skateboarding though. So. <laughs> dogs on skateboards is a YouTube, just a YouTube favorite, isn't it? You you can find a dog on a skateboard. On I think somebody's yeah Rich. well yeah surfing or skating on yeah. yes oh you you come you've come back in now you you were uh, you were out in the ether for a little bit there was well, like I, well, I, did, I didn't enjoy it out there <laughs> dark out there yeah absolutely um, so, I mean I'm a I'm a tennis fan patch so I got to interview Andy Murray and that was really exciting oh wow so they oh, sent amazing. me to the tennis and. Uh, Literally the first question I had to ask him about because because he he was suffering with a bit of an injury and he pulled out the singles so that he could play in the doubles. So the mm. first question, there you go, you meet one of your sporting idols. And the first question I have to ask him with his doubles partner is, how's your quad muscle? You know, there's a career highlight. <laughs> <laughs> there's the great Sir Andy Murray. And my first question has to be, how's your quad muscle? Yeah. So did, you end by, did, nice. did you end by saying, oh, sorry, I am a very big fan? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I did, you know, yeah, I did. Um, I had to, I had to sprint across the tennis park because the mix zone was quite a long way. He was on one of the outside courts playing in the, in the doubles. And uh, I, I wanted to see some of it. So I had to sprint all this way across to get it. And then they got a golf cart to take them to the mix zone. And of course I had to beat him back. So oh, boy. Like, running and running. So by the time he got to me, he was looking fresh as anything. And there's me like 
sweating <laughs> like mad in this. Uh, in compose this yourself. Episode. Compose yourself. Compose myself to speak. Um, to you you mentioned the mix zone. You mentioned all these other uh, media outlets, but the BBC yeah. must carry some weight. Surely, then it's worldwide. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure Team GB athletes they see that BBC microphone and they know what that means for sure. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't uh, interview any overseas um, athletes. But um, yeah, I think it still does. Um, it was really interesting seeing the discovery guys at work, you know, a few few pens up from us in the mix zone. And, uh, you know, they got in a lot of the former sort of, I reckon like Greg Rutherford was doing, uh, he was in, bizarrely, he was in the aquatic center presenting the swimming. Oh, you know, he, he may well have gone on to be in the mix zone in the athletics as well afterwards. Um, and there were few, you know, there were plenty of others, former athletes that they'd obviously employed to, for a bit of, um, you know, a bit of cachet, I suppose. That, yeah. Um, you know, uh, show some show some good talent in front of the cameras. But it was, it was interesting seeing those guys at work as well. But yeah, I think it still does for sure. It's, it's quite amazing how these channels have come from nowhere that you wouldn't expect to. Yeah. Cover Olympic, like you know, you've got Quest that do football things. Yeah. Kind of channels used to used to hop past because they were like number two hundred odd on your. Yeah. But yeah, they're now big, big hitters, aren't they, in the sports yeah, world? Yeah. I mean, I'm not here to be a spokesman for the BBC, but what I'd always say is, you know, if if the BBC is your Olympic broadcaster or any sports broadcaster, you know, if you're doing football, if, if you know, if the BBC had the, the football rights, which they used to for the football league, obviously going back a few years, we're quite unique in that we have that local presence as well as a national presence. So yeah. it gives you much more exposure and we have a we have the biggest digital platform mm. as well you know discovery don't have local radio stations they don't have you know a digital website that everyone goes to or can go to for sports news so you know the bbc still has that yeah. you know that if you talk to the bbc you can be represented on as i've you know as i said a very big audience on bbc local tv mm. BBC local radio network BBC Sport website as well as BBC Sport itself, BBC One, BBC Two, etc. So it does have a bigger reach, yeah. I think, which, um, you know, I, I get why sports have gone to other broadcasters. It's about money, you know, and they see the money that's on offer and they will take it, but they do lose that reach, I think. You know, cricket's classic, isn't it? You know, they put the 100 on, on uh, yeah. terrestrial television and everyone hails it a massive success, but you know, if you put T20 on it, it would also have been a massive success. Yeah. Because it's yeah. on terrestrial television, you know? Yeah, I know like, some of the purists, uh, cricket fans, didn't particularly like the 100, but it's was, but it been successful, so it will probably happen again. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, fantastic. I mean, in terms of, um, you know, you you cut your you've covered lots of sports. Um, you met your one of your idols, one of your heroes, Andy Murray. Was there, obviously, there was it was a really successful Olympics for Team GB again. Was there yeah. someone that, that stood out for you? Uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it was really just nice. What I really loved about all of them is they are really down-to-earth people. And they don't you often speak to you know, the media, I guess. It's at once every four years or in a, in a world championships. Well, well, or... some, yeah, some sports, it, it really is the pinnacle. I mean, I actually met some of the golfers. I met Paul Casey and, and um, Tommy Fleetwood. They were actually doing preview interviews. So they came to the Team GB Performance Lodge and they were so excited to be part of the Olympics. It's clearly not the pinnacle of a golfing of a golfer's life. You know, they're both hoping to maybe play in the Ryder Cup later this yeah. year. And then, you know, they were they just come fresh from the open. So, but it was different. And you could see their excitement of what, you know, they'd watched the Olympics growing up and to be part of it because golf's been in the last couple was really exciting for mm. them. And it was exciting for me to meet them and see the excitement in their faces. But generally, all the athletes are just, you're right, some of them, their sports don't get a massive amount of exposure. So, um, you know, if you if you talk to someone in judo or modern pentathlon or taekwondo, you know, they're not on our screens for four years or no. five years in this case. And then they are front and center and you know that was really exciting for me to go to the modern pentathlon the team's based in bath so i knew the guys so i had a bit of a vested interest to see them win gold mm. double gold kate french and joe chung got gold and gold on consecutive days that's just brilliant fantastic yeah. and to put their sport on the map albeit for a very short amount of time i mean i've done pieces with them for points west and you know they pop up on on bbc sport here and there but you won't see mainstream bbc one and bbc two coverage for them they might pop up on the red button here and there 
you know, at the modern pentathlon yeah. or championships or something, you know, they will do, but but you won't see them on BBC One like they were. So that that's a major thing for them. So I really I love doing that. And uh, it was great because they asked me to to cover it for, for BBC Sport. So and Hazel Irvin asking me to do the interview with the gold medal winner Joe Chung, thrown live to me in the mix zone, which was another career highlight. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah, yeah. I have a question aimed to both of you, I think, regarding you said you met golfers and Andy Murray, things like that. Yeah. Well, sure, I have a friend who's pretty much against any sport that has his own championship, Wimbledon, etc., being in the Olympics. What, what's your thoughts on that, you two, kind of having major sports in the Olympics when it used to kind of just be kind of your amateur kind of competitions? Yeah, it's tough, isn't it? I mean, I guess... I've always liked it when the Olympics is the pinnacle of your sport. So yeah, yeah like modern pentathlon, um, anything like that, judo, taekwondo, swimming, athletics, all of those, they all have world championships, but the thing that means the most to them would be winning Olympic gold is the highlight of their careers. Football, golf, sports like that, yeah, it's difficult, isn't it? Yeah. Um, it's difficult. And I guess they've come in to had a, a slightly, um, it brings in a different audience in the same way why skateboarding and, and surfing and wall, you know, uh, you know, sport climbing have been introduced to bring in a younger audience. And I really love those, by the way. The, yeah. the BMX, the tricks and the skateboarding, just phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. Well, that was, so, that was crazy. That girl, I can't remember the name of the girl who won gold, but... Yeah, going from kind of probably an estate skateboard park yeah. to to winning gold in Olympics is well, it's yeah. dream stuff, isn't it? It's dream dream yeah. material that is. Yeah, we yeah. all had to go on a skateboard, haven't we? And we've fallen <laughs> off and <laughs> broken legs. <laughs> we fools of ourselves. But, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so in my opinion, Rich, I, I mean, obviously big football fan. So I always come. I I don't quite understand the Olympic football. Is it is it like the under twenty three team plus a few? extras i don't understand how it works and, and it's a great britain thing isn't it when we when we kind of have our teams is a great britain thing rather than yeah well if country. if team gb took part like they did in 2012 i think i watched those games and was was quite interested to see how you know how they played together and how it all mixed but i still don't understand is it like an under 23 team plus a few extras i don't know i don't no, know no the I mean, I, I, we, had, we had a women's team obviously in um in tokyo who mm. We're just pretty disappointed, actually, that they didn't uh, didn't manage to snag a medal in the end. And no, that was a good, strong team, proper team. So, so not under twenty three, is it? Was no, uh, oh, okay. So, and obviously, the, the, we decided not to send the men's team. I think you know there'd be reasons for that. It may well be that the, it's it's it is difficult to mesh the nations together. Yeah. To that. And the timing, it's not good. It's just before a season starts. Just oh, yeah. after and the it's Euros, you know? Yeah, after the Euros. Impossible to do, really. So you would have had to send a, an under-23s and then you've still got to get clubs to really want to release yeah. players for a, for a tournament that's happening in July slash August, just as the football season starts. Absolutely. So, so um, obviously, Rio and Tokyo, you're the two Olympics that you can compare. Yeah. Um, uh, no crowds must have made a big difference. Yeah, it did. I mean, I guess we got used to people kind of ask me, they say, well, what was it like without the crowds? And and as a journalist, I was used to it because we've had it, you know, we'd had it for so long. So it didn't seem strange to me. And some of the venues, you still had a lot of coaches and support staff. And although it wasn't the same, they did try to, you know, lots of, there was encouragement and shouting and clapping. And, and so even somewhere like the Aquatic Centre, which, you know, holds a good few thousand people, that tended to echo round a bit and generate a bit of an atmosphere. Yeah, every athlete will tell you it wasn't quite the same, but mm. it was still, they were still absolutely determined to compete and want to compete so I was thinking, yeah. they must have been just thankful that it wasn't yeah. another few years of training to yeah. a pinnacle you know yeah. that they couldn't do it so yeah it's one of those things where uh, and also if if, if it's cancelled obviously people aren't getting you can't you can't stop aging so some people might not even no. ever have that opportunity if they cancel it again for another year yeah. absolutely yeah and and it's one of those ones where you, you you're just happy that it's it's happening you know I, I put up with watching robin's tv still watch every game for bristol city um if it if there hadn't have been football you know it would have been even worse so it's great that that the olympics took took place um and obviously yourself out there for what three weeks in total yeah it was well well i flew out on 
July the 14th and came back on August the 10th. So yeah, it was yeah, you know, blame me. almost weeks, yeah, maybe four weeks, I think, with the quarantining at the start. Yeah. And did you have to like, quarantine coming back as well? Well, it wasn't too bad coming back, being double vaccinated. So I had a test, day two test, so I could sort of test a release, really. Yeah. Although mm. I wasn't really in much state to do much because I was just, I think I was just <laughs> exhausted. We were saying it. before we pressed record that you you were working, you know, extremely long hours for the whole time you were there because of the intense planning you had to do. And then I guess the research into some of the sports and some of the yeah, competitors yeah. and things like that. It must have been a hard slog. Yeah, I mean, I, I was there as a kind of a producer and a reporter. So I was doing kind of both jobs and the time difference was the, the thing. So you'd get up, go to a sport maybe in the morning uh, everyone's asleep in the UK so that's great so you do some interviews there then there would be a managing the managing victory tended to happen around about breakfast time for you because they obviously wanted medal winners live on BBC breakfast so mm. Dan Walker and Sam Quek were presenting that so on this roof it was a fantastic roof we had on top of the team GB performance lodge burning hot it was like 40 degrees but it looked out over um, Odaiba and the bay and the Rainbow Bridge. If you've seen that, it was you probably saw the backdrop mm. on any sort of lives and stuff like that. And that's where they did the interviews. So you do you could be up there for a good four hours. So I'd be up there trying to get some of those athletes onto local radio and and doing interviews to send back for regional TV as well. And then you'd finish that. And of course, people are waking up in the UK then. And then your inbox starts filling with emails for. Any chance we can get into a so-and-so or can we bid for this? Can we bid for that? And so you'd sort of, you'd leave there maybe five, six o'clock PM and you'd be right. Is there anything I can do for regional TV? So sometimes I'd be going off to record some pieces to send back for regional television. Uh, and then sometimes you'd be going to a sport in the evening as well. Mm. And, you know, there was sport going on till maybe 10, 10 30. So by the time sometimes you got back to your hotel and then you're still getting emails because at midnight it's only 4 p.m. in the UK and you just looked and thought at some point I've got to shut the laptop and, <laughs> and stop answering the emails and you know did you so manage to did you manage to get much sleep? <laughs> yeah, no, well I was so exhausted I think I slept really well. So yeah. yeah, sleeping wasn't once once I got over the initial jet lag, you know, for the first first ten days or so. But luckily being out there early enough, I had time to kind of get over that before the games actually started because I was there about a week before wow. um, which was good because obviously we had quarantine and we had to a lot of paperwork and stuff to sort and and, and it just takes time to get your bearings as much as anything as well well know, fair yeah. fair <laughs> play to you Ali uh, and what an experience what what uh, obviously hard work but something you'll never forget I'm sure yeah, I'll never forget the Japanese toilets either oh go on what's the story behind that <laughs> You, you can't if anyone ever goes to japan or has been and is listening they'll know exactly what i'm talking about but they come with all sorts of mod cons buttons that do all sorts of things yeah blame me yeah. i can only imagine yeah <laughs> it's it, well it's like an electronic b-day essentially every okay toilet. yeah they are they're, they're, it, honestly it's like you, you sit down you go what are all those buttons for good gracious <laughs> there are even buttons that sort of play music and stuff you oh know, god if you were, this is when at the <laughs> venues, you go to a venue and there's, you know, a stall of toilets and you sort of go, oh, what's this, what's this privacy one? Ping, you bring that and you get loads of, loads of nice music starts going, which is lovely. Wow. So, yeah. To hide the sounds. Yeah, yeah well, I, I, <laughs> exactly right. Yeah. I'm intrigued to go to, uh, I'm intrigued to go to Japan now just to go to the toilet and then just come straight back. And the, um, thing, the stacking car parks, I just mentioned the stacking car parks. Oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen you, some videos. You know, drive into this garage and, and step out your car and then it disappears. The door shut and yeah, <laughs> it disappears and it gets mechanically stacked off somewhere. It's incredible. Well, how do you get it back? Is it like a vending machine? You have to yeah, do like A9. And you give your ticket and it, they, it finds it. The robot finds your car and it comes along and it God. comes back out in the I, same place. I remember, Patch, when we were working in Clifton, there was one along the road, Oakfield Road. There was a... Yeah, but that was just for that was just for one car. This yeah, is like yeah. a car that, park. That was in someone's house. It's like someone's driveway. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah no, it goes up and then it would go back down and then you could park on top of it. That's right. Yeah, astonishing. Blimey. Well, um, yeah. As I say, fantastic and and uh, and a great job. I saw saw a lot of the interviews and uh, yeah, superb as always. Um, 
so I don't know about you guys, but I've had a few dilemmas recently. And one dilemma that I want to get your opinion on, I'll come to you first, Rich, is the fist bump versus the handshake when you when you when you meet people who you haven't seen for a while, or you know, if you meet a, a friend or or a colleague. So, uh, Rich, have you got any any strategy in place? I don't know. I, I think you need to agree beforehand because there's nothing more embarrassing when you go for a fist like, bump. Call they, ahead, call ahead and text them. Yeah, or they, and they grab your hand like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> when yeah. you're, both, you're both doing, you know, it's like you're playing rock, paper, scissors, kind of a, yeah, do, you say as you meet, should we shake hands? Should we fist pump? Should we so, just, so, so I'll, I'll, tell, I'll tell you my strategy and then we'll ask Ali. So I actually go in like that. As I'm walking towards them, I'm like that. Um, or if they're coming at me already with the hand, then I go in for the hand. So I'm, I'm not fussy. I don't mind which one I do, but I just don't want that awkwardness. Ali, what have you got? Yeah, it's definitely about the early, early preparation, isn't it? You know, you've <laughs> got to be, when you're about five metres away from the person, you've, got, you've already got to show your hand, literally, yeah. haven't you? So and then there's avoids that. I've, I've been stuck with the same thing as Rich, the awkward kind of, oh, we're doing, oh, what's, oh, what's happening? Yeah. <laughs> there's nothing I hate more than an awkward handshake, you know, even before the pandemic where you don't quite get it right and you end yeah. up sort of just, you know, just grasping the end of their fingers. And that's, that's stuck in your mind, isn't it, for the rest of the day? Yeah, yeah. it is. You, it no, is. You're, you're kicking yourself. Going, oh, I don't want to be meeting Andy Murray and, and oh, yeah, that's <laughs> badly wrong, you know. Yeah, talking, of hand, talking of handshakes, the, the, the strongest handshake I've ever experienced. Ali, any guesses? You you know this person. Jeff Twentyman. Correct. 10 points. Oh, um, it's got an unbelievably strong handshake, hasn't it? <laughs> yeah, that one lived with me the first time I met Jeff as well. I was like, does he do that to everybody? That's, 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 well, that's, yeah. that's a power yeah. thing. I yeah. think he does. I think he does. Yeah, um, powerful handshake. Yeah. So yeah, the fist bump versus the handshake. I think is something that everyone has has had to work out a method for. Um, Rich, come on to uh, yourself now. You're you're a professional ranter, as everyone knows. Is there anything that's uh, annoying you at the moment in particular? Well, I think I'm gonna have to bring a repeat in because this happened to me on the way out when I was coming back from Clevedon. There must be a reason for it. If anybody who owns horses can tell me, why do people walk their horses on the road, especially in country lanes? The, the, the traffic it was creating was ridiculous just to get past these two horses. Right. You've got loads of fields. Why can't they? If I start driving through a horse's field, I'd be told off, wouldn't I? <laughs> I don't, there must be a way. Are they? Are they kind of? Is this transport? Is this like a way of getting the horses to different fields? Well, it, I, it, I can only assume. Exercise? Can only assume that there's, you know, the the place where the horse lives. They have to get it somewhere in order to give it a walk or something. That's a horse box, isn't it? Well, yeah, but I don't. I don't, I don't know what yeah, the answer if, is. If people, if people can phone in, tweet. Ever, ever different, ever different ways of uh, communicating nowadays. Why do horses walk on the roads, especially in country lanes at peak time? And, and the mess they leave behind them. Uh, the well. mess, that's fine because they, they, they kind of they straw that day. So majority of their droppings is. Imagine if they had to stop, had to stop and get out a bag and uh... <laughs> like <laughs> IKEA, when it's pop, IKEA bags, tie it up and pop it on the pop it on a tree tree or branch. <laughs> that's yeah. That's my little rant today. It annoyed me today trying to get home. Okay, and and Rich lives on the Avon Ring Road near Bars Court, and at the moment, well, I say at the moment, for the last seemingly twenty years, there's been development going on on that stretch of the Ring Road, and it's still going. But the end's in sight, Rich. I think, isn't it? Yeah, they they shut the road the last two weeks, and they start working about half eleven at night. And so my daughter's got like flashing lights into her bedroom, things like. That. They're obviously building the the through about what mm. they call it. Um, yeah, but what annoys me, there's a road just at the way in Warmley that obviously, because the ring road's been quite uh, painful at the minute, a lot of cars are using that road. So they put up loads of bunting now and things now, residents against traffic. It's, it's called rats, basically. But it's, it's a road. You can't moan because someone's using, using your road. Oh, uh, right. It's a, it's a normal road, in like a, someone's country lane road. It is a proper road. But how do they get around? People live in that street. How do they get around? They must use other roads. Must be must walk with horses, I imagine. Yeah, but no, I, I think it, I think next month or so is going to be a. But what? So completed. so and and great. Once it's done, let let's judge it. Let's judge it on its merits or or dismerits. But before we start digging up the rest of the roundabouts on the ring road, can we just see how this one works first? Yeah. I'm surprised they have plans to do it on all the 
ever remain in roundabouts. Uh, yeah. Before they've, yeah, before they've even seen if it works. Yeah, absolutely. And so whilst we're on the, whilst we're on the subject of roads, uh, traffic lights. Now, I know Rich is going to be one of the people that annoys me here, but it's people who, who beep you on the G of the green, you know? So if you literally, if you don't pull away straight away on the G of the green, beep, come on, move, move. Because that is probably rich, to be fair, doing that. But, but if, you're in the, if you're in the head of the queue, you're first. Yeah. Don't, start, don't start putting your car in neutral and taking your feet off the pedals. Be no. ready. Be ready. I, I, I usually am. But when that happens, I'll take a little bit longer. I wouldn't do it immediately. <laughs> but the thing, Ali- is, Patch, the thing is, Patch, if you delay... Your guarantees, your guarantees get through because you're at the front. Imagine the bloke who's ten cars back. You've delayed. You've cost in getting through that light. I know, but I'm not. I, I I'm not trying to be awkward. I'm waiting for it to go green and then I'll pull away. But it's literally like a split second beep if you don't go like well instantly. Let's just say Lewis Hamilton wouldn't have the same amount of titles he got now if he if he kept waiting for it to go the O on the green on the go. Absolutely. Go on the G. Go on the G. Ali, are, are you somewhere in between this argument or? Oh, it's the ones where you're in a traffic jam and the lights take forever to change. And clearly that person has got distracted, whether it's by their phone or, or the radio and they're green for ages. Yeah. And then, then, and then the- they suddenly spot it and they go, and they're gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they zoom and you're them. behind them. And then that's it. The lights <laughs> then it goes red. red by the time you get there and you're like, we could have got 10 cars through. So point. I absolutely am fine with that. No problem at all. You know, I'll give, I would give even two seconds grace but uh you know people like rich you know they wouldn't they would just be straight what about, away what about the people then patch when you go to a, a petrol station i know uh, obviously nine times out of ten you've got a, a pump and then you have to go behind the car it's also getting petrol at the same time so yeah mm. so you've got two, two two pumps in a line yeah someone's already there you've gone behind you've filled it up they get back in their car and start they don't just get in and go do they, they start doing a makeup or something no. <laughs> <laughs> re- so re- you can't re- get out so you're trapped in there yeah, no, yeah, that's uh, that is frustrating. Or people who do their weekly shop when they're in the, yeah. the petrol stations, another one. Or people who do their weekly shop and then they get to the checkout and they go, Oh, I've just forgotten one thing, hang on. And so they got all their stuff loaded up and you're <laughs> in the bit behind them, and then they disappear off to go and get a lemon or something like that. You're like, or or they've all their stuff's gone through and they the, the person on the till gives them the total, and that's when then they delve into their bag to get their wallet out or all their coupons. Yeah. Yeah, you know you have to pay for it, so have it ready. Yeah, have absolutely. Have your card in your hand. Oh, yeah. what, i got to pay, have I? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> or have your watch ready. But, yeah, not many people exactly. would do that. Um, okay, so we always do uh, – I know we've done quite a lot of rant in the last 10 minutes, to be fair, but uh, we always do uh, the, the, the room of doom, so something that uh, that – irks you and to be fair we've we may have extinguished all of our avenues on this but um have, there, have you got anything rich uh that uh something that you can specify that you want to put into the room of doom and then we'll take a little vote yes so you buy something for example i'm going to say a paddling pool a sleeping <laughs> bag a sleeping bag um anything niche. That come, well anything that comes packaged up yeah that you right. use then you want to put it away you can never put it back in that bag can you no. Obviously, However, pers- I was very impressed. Away, go on. Well, I said the person who in the factory obviously is a machine that folds up and whacks it in the bag. Yeah. You can't you can't do that again. When when you've emptied your paddling pool, rolled it up, you can't get it back into that same bag. No. Same as a sleeping bag, you can't roll it the same way. Well, however, you you must have a talent for this because um, when we did the live event with Alan Walsh last week or whenever it was, a couple of weeks ago, you brought your speakers, uh, your your microphone and kit in its original box so i haven't even kept the box so yeah yeah fair play to you for doing that because i wouldn't have ever well, got it back in the box well and it was noticed because it was hanging out your bag you could you could even shut the zip exactly exactly yeah, but, but in those boxes there's a place it's even got like a mold that you know where everything goes yeah still won't bother um Later. so so yours is getting stuff back in a back in the box it came in essentially yeah. specifically well, anything, Paddle anything. Impulse. you buy anything, electrical, like a vacuum cleaner, a, a jet washer, you can never put it back in the box the way it came. Yeah, true. Okay. Um, so mine is, uh, mine is people who delay paying you. And now I'm talking about if you go out on a night out and you say, right, I'll get this and then I'll just let you know how much it was and you send it to me. Some people I'm chasing and I shouldn't have to asking them a week later. Oh, have you had a chance to send me that 
£26.50 or whatever it is. Whereas in a modern world, we've all got internet banking apps that you can quickly pay someone that you've paid before or very quickly set up a new payee. So if you want to be in my good books, I expect payment within 24 hours. Okay. Noted, note that. And uh, people out there, they know who they are. So that's mine. Um, Ali, have you thought of one in the in the time we've given you there? Well, I'd be, I'm interested in a bit of advice how to play this one because someone pointed it out to me and now I can't see beyond it. So when you email someone and everyone always starts with, dear so-and-so, hope you're well, dot, 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 dot. And I always think, do you really? Do you really hope you're well? Or is it you just really can't think of anything before getting in to say, can I have, what yeah. about this, blah, blah, blah. So... What, what is the acceptable way that isn't really patronising and obviously um, just in there to, as filler to say, to get into an email, really? So I, every time I get one, they says, hope you're well. I'm like, oh, I can't see beyond that now because someone's pointed it out to me how annoying that is. Go on, Rich. You, you can answer first. I'll give my thoughts. Well, first of all, I'm just hoping they spelt the word your correctly. They've well, indeed, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> if that was already spelt with just the you are. And Rich, Rich would point that out first before yes. you reply anything else. Well, yeah. It was until you spelled it. Yeah, I would do the usual. I would do the usual asterisks and the correct spelling. Yeah, just to get that point. Um, yeah, it's kind of just one of these throwaway comments, and I guess I hope mm. well. But you feel obliged to answer it as well, and then you and then you, and then you got to repay that. I hope you're well yeah. too. So yeah. it's, a, it's a constant then stream of. Asking questions. I, I think it depends on the person and the relationship. If you how how long since you last spoke to them? So there's lots of variables you need to think about, you know, on your activity plan when you come to send your next email. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a, it's a it's a greeting that I would probably say if I hadn't spoken to them in four weeks. I think that's the the time limit I'm going to put on it. So if I have spoken to them in four weeks, then I'm I'm assuming they're well. How's that? A lot, a lot can change in that four weeks. Well, I know it can, but you've got you've got you've got to put some sort of limit on it. <laughs> but yeah, I don't like to just unless I'm speaking to this person regularly. I don't like to just go straight in with "Can I have?" or "Would you like?" or "Do you?" Just, just say I, I presume you're okay because I'm heard you're not. Or just stay stay well, stay well, stay yeah. safe. At the end, hope you're well forever, unless I hear <laughs> unless I hear otherwise. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so we've got three three uh, room of doom entries there. Now we take a vote. So uh, let me just summarise for you. Um, so mine is people who who pay late. Uh, Rich was can't get stuff back in a box when it's you know for packaging, um, and Ali is people who say hope you're well at the start of the email. <laughs> I'm not coming out of this well, am I? <laughs> Hates polite people. Yeah. Okay, so um, Ali, you get to choose between me and Rich. Whoa. They're both irritating, aren't they? Yeah. Um, on the on the pay late front, you know, just go through each one. So pay late front. Is that something that happens to you? Yeah, not that long ago, actually. You do keep checking your phone going, have they paid me yet? No. Am I going to have to subtly say something? Because you'll forget. I, I would forget as well. Yeah. Because they get to the point you think they probably have forgotten now. Mm. Um, so I need to say something that subtly jogs their memory. That was great that night out we had, wasn't it, yeah, last week? Exactly. Oh, <laughs> just thinking about that. Uh, so, yeah, exactly. So that is quite irritating. But then I have also struggled many a time to get a tent back into one of those, you know, those pop-up tents? Yeah. And then they go into a circular... Got a bag, and yeah, you've got it's, you have to contort it in all sorts. I mean, it, honestly, it would take me take me half the week to put it away again. So yeah, it's pretty irritating actually getting stuff back in boxes they never fit. So I'm going to go for that one. Okay, Rich. Well, uh, Patch, with yours, I think I might be one of those people who doesn't pay yeah. that quickly. But also, actually, you're what, not too bad. I've, there's a lot worse out there. But what I will say is, when like people owe me money, I do kind of say no rush. Which like they might take that as if they haven't got to pay me ever, but yeah, but that's like saying hope you're well, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm not saying it upsets me when they don't pay immediately. So I'm gonna okay. go with Alice, even though I, again, I might say hope you're well on a on an email. Okay. But you're gonna think about it next time now, aren't you? No, you're well, a bit yeah. more creative, especially more creative. <laughs> you have to say something different now. I never, I never ask again. <laughs> <laughs> don't take this the wrong way, yeah. but I'm not gonna ask you if you're well. 
Anyway, somebody told, somebody told me it was really annoying. Please, be can I have? Creative. Just be more creative. You can say something like... Um, I actually say, hope, hope you're good. That's what I say. Yeah. Or hope, hope always well, uh, good at your end. Okay. Well, that's hardly creative. It's just a play on words, isn't it? Just um, words. Right. I'm going uh, to have to go for Rich on this. Um, and Ali basically swang me towards Rich by using the tent example, because um, that's happened to me every day um on a holiday in cornwall recently trying to get that tent back in the in the thing and progressively getting more and more sweaty and annoyed so um so yeah rich congratulations Thank that you. goes into the room of doom because like obviously obviously like you're putting out with the box i got with my my i like to put things away well, I, I just i just wish my wife and two kids were the same but sure <laughs> Yeah, um, my wife's pretty good at, at that. She's she's got a, I'm sure she's got a mental list of every toy that we've got for the kids, and it all goes back in the same place. So I'm I'm well happy with that. I bought loads of those shoe. Have you ever seen those shoe boxes you can make? So you, you, oh yeah, you, you, I got I bought loads of those. Got got laughed at the house basically. <laughs> Is that why you're in the garden room? Well, it's only me. It's only me who uses them. So my side of the wardrobe is really like quite quite tidy. Yeah, the wife's shoot the open it a shoe falls out. But now you've got your own garden room. Surely you leave the podcast microphone up. Next, no, I've, I've been working here, haven't I? Yeah, but you can just move it to one side. It's got a, it's got a turning circle on it. It's in BBC Radio One. This is like my <laughs> garden room. <laughs> it, it, it takes five minutes, then it's put away. Whatever. Okay, right. So, uh, Rich, you win. Um, Thank you. Now, changing gear slightly. Uh, unbelievably. Next Saturday is 20 years since 9-11, and I've been addicted to watching uh, a new National Geographic five-parter on it, as well as as Netflix, Turning Point. Um, And yeah, still watch it 20 years on, unbelievable, can't believe it actually happened. The stories, you know, it's frightening. Um, So I just was interested to know where you were um, on that that day, and um, I'll come to you first, Rich. I was working at Hargreaves Lansdowne. So this is in our office at Kendall House. And in, in our stockbroking room, they had like a, uh, like a CFAX screen. So all the, all the news come through. But obviously back then it wasn't, it was before website. So it was literally like ticker tape of like one line of information to come through. And I just saw plane crashes into the Royal Trade Center. Me just thinking it was like some bloke flying his little biplane. that just flew into the side of it, fell to the pavement and that was it. It wasn't until then, obviously, a few hours later, that the kind of news grew and grew and grew. So then next week, yeah, we put a telly on. Yeah, a little portable. We just watched it unfold. So I was in, yeah, I was at work, obviously, because it was in, what time would it have been our, our time? Um, quarter, to two, quarter to two, I think it was. Yeah, so I watched that. I even, I even went upstairs. So I was in the stockbroking room, went upstairs to my where I worked and said, oh, a plane's crashed into the Royal Trade Centre. Not thinking it was a jumbo jet or anything like that. And obviously, yeah, we then just watched it unfold on the TV. I then drove home and watched it for the rest of the day. But presumably, the the stock market in the front in the front office was was diving at that point. Yeah, I can't remember that much detail, but yeah, I just remember it just literally being quite blase when I first saw plane flies into World Trade Center. Just thinking mm. it was a you know, yeah. two seater job. Ali, where were you? What were you were you in, in a newsroom or? Oh yeah, I I think was it a Tuesday. I think I don't there, remember the day, I but I think there was midweek football and I was coming into work because I think I was going to be presenting um, our midweek match on Radio Bristol. I was working at the time. So I remember I, I remember coming into the newsroom and, and like Rich, really, you know, you, you heard someone said, oh, there's been a plane crash in America. It's hit, hit one of the Twin Towers. And you, that's what you thought it was. And then it became... Being in a newsroom, you can imagine we were sort of getting information and mm. finding out a little bit more, and then the second plane hit. Um, so yeah, I was I was actually in our in our newsroom watching it kind of all unfold with with horror. And clearly, I, I, I think the football was cancelled. Then I think they postponed. Oh, was it? I think so. Or I, I, I lose track. Or possibly it didn't. Perhaps it went ahead. Um, I can't sure remember is the honest answer. Yeah. I don't know what it, yeah. Well, um, yeah, it must have been a crazy time in the newsroom for sure. I was uh, on holiday in Snives, actually. I've already mentioned Snives twice in this. Um, but I was watching Neighbours because it was at that time of day um, and it cut to 
uh, obviously the first plane had already hit and then it was the story. And then we actually were watching it live when the second plane hit um, and then just watched it for another sort of good hour. And then obviously the next, uh, the, the, the second building to get hit went down and yeah, just incredible. Just one thing that you didn't think you would ever witness um but after that it's really strange you know we went i went deep sea fishing and uh i'll never forget jane middle miss was on the on the fishing trip with us um and you could see out at sea you could see planes actually turning around that would obviously that had flown out of heathrow or wherever in europe turning around and going back you know to where they came to land so yeah it's um 20 years uh Rich, I don't know if you can quite believe that, but uh, crazy where the time's gone. No, time does fly. But um, I, well, I did watch something last week about it, and I remember watching when the first building collapsed. I can't remember if I spoke to you about this in the week. Obviously, a cloud of smoke come down, obviously when it collapsed, which would have been full of glass, mm. all, sorts of, all sorts of debris. And the people who come out of that, obviously coming out covered, they're obviously now starting to... There's still people dying now because of that, because of that incident. Respiratory. Yeah. So it wasn't just the people who died at the at the time in the building, the people who were caught in the surrounding areas who then you know, breathed in glass, yeah. all sorts of dust, uh, petrol fumes. It's still it's crazy, really. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Um, Ali, I don't know if you you knew anyone or anyone that was impacted um, twenty years ago. No, no, um, no one that was um, in New York. I know quite a lot of. Um, American friends, obviously, who, who it impacted on, but no one who was actually in New York City. Um, friend of mine who is a New Yorker, um, but I think he'd left left by then. He lives in California now, lucky mm. devil. But um, yeah. yeah, clearly, yeah, clearly, um, took took the country a long time to sort of get their head around what had actually happened, and, and still is really. Absolutely, yeah, I've, I've been to the site as many people have to kind of pay your sort of respects when you go to New York on, on yep. a holiday and it's um yeah it's, it's sometimes when you watch a film now an old film and you still see like the Twin Towers in yeah. it it was made pre-2001 yeah I, I wish I was I wish I was able to go up them to be honest um you know as you say you see it in a see it in a film and you it's something that I wish I, I I went the year afterwards when it was still you know looked like a, a building site basically yeah. just just a big hole um, and I want to go again at some point to see what it's like now in terms of that that water feature they've got and uh, lots of people's names and all of that sort of thing. And and obviously, I think it's is it called One World Trade Center now the the new building. Um, would like to go and go and see that as well. But we'll we'll segue into our recommendations now before we before we close. And and my recommendations are those two programs so it's a it's a five-parter i think on national geographic i think it's the the day the day that changed the world and it's it basically is the it's real time from start to finish that's the one i saw last week i think yeah real time from start to finish uh with people who were there and lots of eyewitness accounts and some unseen footage before some of it you probably won't want to see but um you know uh it's still it's still mind-boggling um and then also the the on netflix it's the turning point it's called it's just come on a couple of days ago um and it goes from you know when when they can pinpoint when the trouble started all the way through and and sort of intersecting 9 11 um in between um so yeah that's uh that's my recommendation rich have you got a, a recommendation for us have I, have I mentioned Ted Lasso's this second series slash season? Well, we we've spoken about it because we really liked series one, and then series two, I um I wasn't as keen on. No, but I was going to say, I think I think the first few episodes we didn't really think we, you know, we thought it was going to be that difficult second album, didn't we? Mm. But I've grown I've grown to enjoy it again. It's kind of got back on its feet the last okay. three or four episodes. So if you stop watching it because of the first two episodes, do tune back in. All right, it's, it's found its feet again. I will. I will. Um, Ali, have you? Did you have time to watch films and TV and took? <laughs> Do you know I took a load of stuff out on a laptop, thinking that even when I was in um, even in quarantine, I was going to have time to to watch stuff. And for the first day, I was a bit like Bill Murray and Lost in Translation, like flicking through the Japanese channels and and trying to find something. <laughs> but um, I didn't. I didn't watch a single thing in the end, uh, apart from watching Olympics. A 
<laughs> a little bit of the Olympics while I was maybe um, eating um, eating something in, in my hotel room. Mm. But um, yeah, so I'm I'm a bit behind the curve here, but I only have you heard of Have you heard of Netflix? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, don't we got them all? We got them all. But I'm watching. We are watching. Um, never seen it before, but we're watching The Walking Dead now. So, ah. Um, and we've made it to Series 7. So um, Wow. How so long did that take? Uh, I reckon we started... I'm trying to think we started before I went to Tokyo. I think we probably did, yeah. So we had a big gap where um, they were kind of waiting for me to come home. So we could that's still, that's still pretty good going. You must be... Yeah. Uh, get, smashed getting through it, yeah getting through them wow and and when, when you binge something like that you know i, I binge watched yeah, breaking yeah. bad and i would wake up in the night in a cold sweat thinking i was actually involved um so i can only imagine what that must have felt like with the walking dead <laughs> oh my word well literally like we finished series six last night which if anyone's watched it it's um it's a it's as dark an episode even for the walking dead as you can you can get it's pretty pretty horrific and brutal um so yeah and when and when you go to bed at like half past mid uh, half past 11 midnight having watched that (laughs) i was dream i was kind of dreaming some very strange and unpleasant dreams yeah until i woke up the next day so enjoying that i'm looking forward to uh i think it's season three of succession it might even be yeah i think it's season three of succession coming out soon-ish which is very, very good. I highly recommend that to it. Yeah, that's on Sky Atlantic, of course. Right. Yes. Yeah. Let, um, me, let me throw one more into the pot. Can, oh, can I just can I just give Ali one suggestion for when yes. he finishes Walking Dead? Um, so it's called Black Summer. Um, and it's like it's it's Walking Dead, but at a hundred miles an hour. Um, and there's three seasons on Netflix. Uh, okay. and I highly recommend it. It's it's a slightly different uh, spin yes. in that um, it's it's like on the World War Z, I think, you know, on that path in terms of how the zombies come about. But yeah, right. basically, once you die, whatever you die of, you turn into a zombie, you know. So there's that little element, but it's, it is 100 miles an hour. So highly recommend Black Summer on Netflix. Rich, over to you. Why is it not called Running Dead then, if it's Walking Dead at 100 miles per hour? Um, don't know. Over to you. Um, second episode of series three was tonight, or is I'm gonna go and watch it. The best half hour of the week, Mortimer and White House Go Fishing. Mm. Beautifully filmed, yeah, beautiful scenery, music's amazing. Two funny blokes, just half hour, sit down, have a cup of coffee, cup of tea, whatever your whatever your tipple is, and relax. They, they must just hit record and just see what happens in that. There's no script or anything, is there? Oh, just two blokes making each other laugh, doing an enjoyable hobby. And just enjoy life. And they both obviously it started because we've had heart uh, illnesses. So oh, right. So that's what kind of started the series together. Paul Whitehouse showing Bob out to fish and it's kind of spawned two more seasons after that. So yeah, very enjoyable oh, yeah. half hour. Excellent. Okay. Well, um, hopefully you've got some recommendations. You've enjoyed uh, listening to a few um, arguments and also some really insightful uh stuff from ali in tokyo so uh, thank you very much for listening um and we'll be back i think next one's going to be a bonus show preston at home so uh tune into that one and we'll speak again soon take care thanks very much to ali for coming on brilliant cheers ali. we've only just met but i can feel your energy i want a party so take my hand and come on life's mystery We'll value all of these memories The best decisions are always made in the heat of the moment Your eyes tell me you wanna go with the flow Just say the word and I'll take you away from the life we know Nothing to lose, so many places to go The best adventures always start in the heat of the moment Make me feel alive And with my love